0: Welcome to the Global Public Health Services Podcast, GPHS, where you get to hear about Cruise Line public health leadership topics. Our experts are here to guide you, inform you, and make what is an in-depth and technical topic a little bit more understandable, relatable, and practical. We aim to keep it informal, yet informative and helpful to all those tuning in from managers to crew to executives to travelers. Now, the beginning of the first series will cover a topic that is of importance to many, the no-sail order. Our experts will share with you their insights on what is taking place, how the cruise lines are making the best efforts to implement safeguards prior to sailing again once the CDC's no-sail order expires. What challenges can we expect, both for the cruise lines and travelers alike, And finally, what effects will there be on the cruise line industry as a whole for public health with COVID-19 effects in mind, but also with the overall different aspects of public health that are essential to always keep in the forefront in a way to maintain a healthful and safe environment. With all that being said, a brief introduction of and to our experts and then on to our topic, so don't go anywhere. Hello, Dave. Hello, John. It's great to have you here. Before we begin, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves? I'd like to start with you, Dave.
1: Here, Maria. This is Dave Forney, and I'm one of the three managing partners of Global Public Health Services. Prior to that, uh, I was a public health advisor with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Uh, working in many different national and international public health programs. My last 10 years at CDC, I was the chief of CDC's Vessel Sanitation Program. When I retired in 2006, I started doing public health consulting to the cruise lines. And so um, I have over 20, 22 years of public health experience directed specifically to the cruise line industry.
0: Thank you, Dave. And you, John? I'm John Schnorr. I am a
2: retired U.S. Public Health Service officer. Uh, My last assignment with the U.S. Public Health Service was with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Vessel Sanitation Program. Uh, When I retired from there, I took a job as the Director of Public Health for Norwegian Cruise Lines. Uh, And after that, I started doing public health consulting Uh, And I am now one of the three managing partners for global public health services.
0: Thank you so much. Hello, Dave. Hello, John. It's great to have you back. Even though things are a bit different than (laughs) we discussed last time, we were supposed to be talking about the posts no-sale order. Instead, we are going to revisit a little bit of the no-sale order due to it being extended mid-July. CDC uh, moved it to September 30th. Now, before we begin, just to refresh any new listeners, uh, Dave, I'd like you to share a little bit about the no-sale order, what countries it impacts, and what it is.
1: Thank you, Maria. Act- the no-sale order yeah, was originally put out back in uh, March of 2020, and then, as you said, it was extended. It really only affects uh, cruise ships that sail in and out of the United States. It really has no legal impact on on the other countries. So, CDC uh, can only put up. Um, Restrictions for cruise ships that that would sail in and out of the United States and come under the jurisdiction of the US Public Health Service.
0: Thank you. And in fact, if I'm not mistaken, John, you can do- let me know the European cruising has has begun.
2: Uh, yeah, that, that's correct. They've uh, I just looked it up uh, before we started and there's let's see. There's about five large cruise lines that are that are operating, doing international cruising now out of European ports, and then the river cruises. Uh, there's several that are operating as well within the European Union. Uh, so, yeah, like they've said, it only affects the cruising in the U.S. Uh, the rest of the world, they make their own decisions as to whether to allow the cruise uh, lines to start operating again. Uh, Mm. And we'll talk a little bit probably as we go on and what some of the requirements that they're putting on, which is not much different than than what CDC is requiring uh, here in the U.S. as well.
0: Before we get into a little bit also on the extension itself, how do you see the no-sale order moving so far out uh, affecting the cruise industry, both with public health regulations, organization, business-wise, and please start whichever one has something immediate
2: well I mean (laughs) the easiest one to say is business-wise it's uh, it's a huge uh, impact business-wise I mean the cruise lines at this point have zero revenue coming in whatsoever uh, at least when we look at the US market Uh, and so that's that's obviously a big the biggest probably impact that there is
0: Dave
1: Well, there's a thing that we forget as we focus on the cruise ships themselves and what the impact is on the the cruise lines themselves. But in postponing uh, going back into business for several months, uh, there are a lot more people that are involved with the decision on whether or not it's okay to sail. First of all, if you're going to sail somewhere, you have to make sure that the country or port that you're going into is safe to go to. So it's just not the cruise ship itself, but the destinations have to be vetted to be uh, a good environment to take um, the cruise ship into. You have all of the vendors that supply the food and everything else that goes into supporting a cruise, making sure that that they're in business and they can still, on a timely fashion, provide all those services that uh, take just to supplying a cruise ship. And then you have the airlines and the airline travel and the huge uh, uh, reduction in the number of planes that are flying. You know, how do you get all the people that want to go on a cruise from wherever they are to the port of uh, embarkation? You know, how do you get everybody down to Miami or wherever it is they're going to sail from? So all these things went into uh, looking at um, setting up a time frame for the cruise lines to get back into business and start sailing again.
2: Absolutely. And then you just build into that. It's taken, took several months to get crew that were on the ships off back home, repatriate them. And now the challenge is setting that all back up to get them back on board the ship. So it might be easier to get guests on board in a lot of ways than it is going to be to get crew members back. Uh, The cruise lines, they have to look at all of the different uh, plans to who's going to be on during what period of time and all that, and then try to figure out a way to fly them in because they're not going to relocate ships back there to pick crew up just to come back and start cruising again. So, yeah, exactly what Dave said. There's a lot of issues. And, and when we look at one of the – so let's take South Florida as a good example. Uh, out of Miami, there's a lot of ships that go in and out of – Florida ports because, and we haven't really talked a lot about it, this Jones Act thing with the foreign flag ships that come into the U.S., if they load passengers in the U.S., they have to go to a foreign port prior to discharging those passengers back in the U.S., and the most commonplace that happens uh, is the Bahamas, and at this point, the Bahamas has closed their port to any U.S., uh, passengers. So I mean, part of the big challenge is, uh, and we talk a little bit about that extension and the reasons probably for that extension as well. When you look at some of those big ports where we have a lot of traffic coming in for the cruise ships, we look at South Florida. And if we look at our COVID numbers in South Florida, uh, we're not doing real well.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, or maybe we're doing real well, but we don't want to do well. So that's uh, we have a lot of a lot of cases in the area. So that's another impact of looking at just the safety of operating, the safety of bringing passengers, bringing guests in through these ports to be able to even start on a cruise.
1: Yeah, you mentioned earlier you were asking earlier about European sailing, and I understand that there are some basic, basically cruises to nowhere going on. Some of the British companies are saying, okay, we're just going to go out and sail around for three or four days and then come back in, have a good time, party, it's a cruise to nowhere. Well, based on what John was saying, you can't do that out of the United States. You cannot do a cruise to nowhere because of the Jones Act. Now, if we could, it would be great because almost all of the major cruise lines have their private islands, which is a very closed um, environment. You know, They control everything that goes on on that small island, it's theirs. So you could say, hey, let's go out and we'll cruise at sea for a day. And then we're going to go to our private island for a day of fun and relaxation, then another day at sea, then back into Miami. We have a three or four day cruise. The Problem is, because of the Jones Act legislation, they still have to go to a foreign port. So they're going to have to go to the Bahamas or to Cozumel or some other port down in the Caribbean. And again, it's making sure that those foreign ports are meeting the same public health standards that we're going to have on cruise ships. And uh, that, I don't think, has actually been uh, finalized yet.
0: So it would seem a lot of the reasons for the extension were covered in the sense of besides how it affects, well, how COVID has been affecting the, the industry. It's logistics, it's people, it's where you can go, where you can't go. And the fact that COVID is still out and about affecting countries in different numbers. So the safety, are there any other reasons that come to mind and another question to tie into this is the CLIA association which um, if you can share who they are but they had set their date and I wonder if that also impacted the CDC's
1: CLIA is the Cruise Lines International Association which is on one hand it's the uh, big organization of uh, travel agents that specializes in cruising but it's also kind of the, the lobby arm for the cruise line industry with the policymakers in D.C. And a long history of that. Um, but I would say probably 90 to 95 percent of the cruises that go out of the United States, those cruise lines are members of CLIA. And they all have, uh, they have a public health committee that really works very well together. And again, they looked at all these logistic things that we just talked about, and I think they realized, you know, we as a cruise line, we might be ready. We think we're ready, but all these other things have not fallen in place yet. And so we are going to voluntarily say we are going to continue to suspend our operations until uh, into September. Uh, And they did this before CDC, extended the no-sale order and it was what a week or so afterwards the CDC came out and said we recognize what CLIA members have done uh, and I think they were very, um, they, they, were, commend- very
2: they, co- they, they commended CLIA on the work that they had okay. done.
1: Yeah they, they commended CLIA for doing so thank you but once once CLIA made that decision CDC came out and said well that's a great idea but CLIA does not represent 100 percent of the ship's that CDC has jurisdiction over. Therefore, we are going to then extend the no-sale order um, that affects everybody. So I think that the the content of CDC's no-sale order was very similar to what CLIA did. Uh, but again, it, it applies to more than just the CLIA members.
0: Do you foresee there potentially being a change in the extension, just to venture? Can we say with certainty, I mean, well, nothing's certain, but can we, hypothesize.
2: No, Uh, no. And I mean, uh, the only thing I would say is, is if, if we in the US don't show better numbers, uh, shore side, um, that, that's going to go a lot into it of making, I think, some of those decisions. I mean, the US has to show some control over the numbers and and things like that. Otherwise, because again, that, as Dave said earlier, that impacts that impacts on the support side, shore side for the cruise industries with food and everything else, uh, air air travel and all that. So, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see, um, but it's, it, it's anybody's, not anybody's guess, but, but there'll be people that make those decisions.
0: And in the meantime, the CDC is asking for public comments. Is that correct?
1: Yes, just uh, about a week ago, CDC announced in the federal registry uh, a request for comments regarding what anybody, the public or otherwise, the cruise lines themselves, what uh, what they should be doing in order to protect the health of the passengers and crew on board. And there's a list of, I forget the exact number, but there's a lot of questions that they raise in the uh, federal registry notice So anybody, any citizen, uh, any cruise ship, any contractor, anybody who wants to, can go through and respond to those questions on what they feel that the cruise lines should be doing. And again, this is very specific to the cruise line industry.
0: And for the listeners tuning in, we have shared these on uh, the link to the Federal Registry place on our social uh, media channels, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, just in case Whoever's tuning in hasn't seen it yet.
2: One of the and one of the other things that I think is important, and I think that the U.S. will be looking at with a lot of these things too, is to see how things go in the EU with these cruise ships that are that have opened up in the EU. And because again, we haven't talked a lot about it, but a lot of the EU requirements uh, for the ships to be able to start operating are very similar to what we have within the CDC, within the U.S. as well. So if they're successful in um, the, the current things that they've implemented on there to try to control, minimize, prevent the spread of COVID, uh, I think that's going to go a long way to a comfort level that, that not only the, the government has, but also travelers the the passengers have as well to be able to be confident going back on board the ships.
0: And can you expand on what they're doing for public health? What, what steps are they taking so listeners can understand?
2: There's, uh, some of the more important ones uh, they're looking at right now, one is is pre-screening, pre-screening at the terminal um, to check whether they are showing positive, testing positive for covid uh, if they get a quick test at the terminal and you test positive, uh, you're not going to be allowed to, to go on the cruise. Uh, that's one of the big things. They're also looking at, um, as far as social distancing or physical distancing, the ships being in the cruise lines, uh, embracing that and being able to do it. Uh, Dave, there's a lot of other things. You may have a, a, a list of some of those things as well that you we've talked about.
1: Well, I- You know, the cruise lines in general, they've talked about, of course, reducing the number of passengers on board in order to to maintain their physical distancing, Um, probably discontinuing with certain things on, certain activities on board that would bring large groups together. Uh, Even even things like the spa, or, you know, they're going to limit the number of people in a hot tub, the number of people in a pool, space out the chairs around the pools, uh, space out the tables in the dining room. And I think... I think we'll see a lot of mask usage.
0: I was about to ask about that. What about the masks? Yes. Yeah.
1: Cla- clearly, the longer we have an opportunity to study transmission of mm. COVID, that mask usage continues to become probably one of the most important things that we can do. So there was a, uh, a study about talk- about in in, uh, in USA today that came from some former CDC researchers at University of Washington and, and also at Harvard who said if we could get 95 percent of the Americans to wear a mask on a daily basis that we would probably be able to significantly reduce uh, the transmission of illness in the United States uh, without having to, to do much else so and, and it's, if you really look at this being a respiratory illness, that just makes all the sense in the world to me.
2: Yep, and if you, we talked about it, uh, I think probably on the last podcast that we did too, and I mentioned that the important thing, we can, the cruise lines, public health people, they can do all these things, they can come up with all the, the ways to do it, but then it comes to compliance from Not only the guests, the crew, the crew is easier to get compliance, but compliance from those passengers, those guests that are gonna go on board the ship to follow that physical distancing, to use the masks properly, to wear the masks properly. All those other things have to be part of the whole process to be able to get the cruise industry back in business and upstart starting up again with uh, sort of the new normal of operations.
0: So the extension, so to speak, at least for the United States, since it affects primarily us, has, quote unquote, many benefits in the sense that it allows for uh, certain aspects to be tested and understood in detail for the companies themselves and and organize also. The crew, I suppose, uh, you mentioned before, but are there any cons that you feel should we should mention?
1: I don't think so from a public health standpoint.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: um, you know, I think my sense in my discussions with the different cruise lines is that they want to get back into business as soon as possible, but they are not going to go back in until they are comfortable that all of the procedures are in place that will reduce the risk of transmission to the absolute lowest it can possibly be.
0: That's very good, I would say. Um,
2: Yeah, and I, and I, I agree completely with Dave. And the other thing that I think we always have to remember, and I think most of us do, is that the cruise line is not in business to make people sick. Yes. The cruise lines are in business to entertain, to ensure that that their guests have a wonderful time. And that's partly because that's what they are in the hospitality business. But secondly, they also want them to return and come back again. So so as exactly as Dave said, they're doing everything they can to try to make sure, and they wanna make sure those, those things are in place before they start welcoming their guests back on board.
0: And last question. What do you guys know about the? So, with these changes, like the distancing in the pool and the spa, how is Europe applying it as they begin, even if it's not sailing much yet?
2: I read just briefly again when we were coming on some of the things that different, some of these other cruise lines that are operating Mm -hmm. over there. Um, And one of them is a, they've a ship that can carry probably about. Three 3,000 plus people. And at the moment, they've reduced the number of guests that they're welcoming on board uh, to 1,200. So they're doing about the same things that we are with, with uh, looking at reducing the number of guests on board. Uh, they also were talking about, another one was talking that the guests and the crew were very good at using masks and things like that on board. So the reality is, the same things that in the U.S. they're looking at that they need to have it to start um, is exactly what there we see it, it appears to be doing on within the EU. And, and we would expect that. I mean, we do work with cruise lines. I mean, most a lot of them are headquartered here in the U.S., but they operate around the world. And those standards, they don't have a necessarily an EU standard and an Australia standard and a U.S. standard. Um, they try their best to establish their standard no matter where those ships are operating.
0: And it would seem they're managing, that's nice news, that the management of those numbers with the social distancing, the masks, everybody's safe. um, This seems to be working really well, which is comforting. Are there any important last notes that you both of you would like to share with the CDC's no-sail order being extended and cruising in general?
2: Go ahead, Dave. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I don't, you know, I think we've covered it. Uh, I think, again, the, the important thing for everyone is that the cruise lines are doing everything they can uh, as individuals wanting to go on a cruise. You know, you also have a certain responsibility to make sure that before you go on a cruise, you're healthy and that you are willing to follow the, uh, the guidelines that are being set forth by the cruise lines. And
2: that's from the time you leave home
1: until you get on the ship and get back again.
2: John? I concur completely with what Dave said um, that that is that is the key. I mean, to start up, we need everybody to to really understand that they are doing everything they can do, uh, and that the it's not just the cruise line's responsibility. they have to put things in place, but it's the guests and everybody that does business with them in support of them, the countries that the ports that the ships are going to. Uh, everybody has to take their responsibility seriously and and do everything they can to try to contain or prevent the
0: spread. Well, I thank you both for the enlightening conversation and sharing everything. I'm sure our listeners are happy to hear some of the news, not all of the news, but at least part of it. And I look forward to having you both again. In the meantime, I say thank you for being here. And have a great day. Thank you, Maria.
2: Thanks, Maria. Thanks a lot.
0: To our listeners for tuning in we look forward to having you back with us on our next episode in the meantime we'd like to encourage everyone to remember all the different aspects of public health and what we need to do to maintain a healthful and safe environment if you need us you can find our website at gphsconsulting.com reach out you can also find us on linkedin twitter and facebook have a wonderful day everyone and thank you once again for tuning in we'll be back with more on Cruise Line public health leadership topics. Until next time.